This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Thanks to KiwiCo for supporting Made for This. KiwiCo delivers monthly science and art projects that celebrate a child's natural curiosity and sparks a love for lifelong learning. With KiwiCo, kids will explore different STEAM topics each month, ranging from rainbows to rocket ships and everything in between. Get 30% off your first month, plus free shipping on any crate line with code MADEFORTHIS at KiwiCo.com. Well, it's always fun when one of my dearest friends gets on the podcast with me. And Sadie, it is so good to have you. And and we're talking about your new project today. I want to say first to everybody listening, I don't know that another human on earth could have written this book the way that you wrote it, Sadie, and that hopefully older, younger, all of us will listen to it because this subject matters. You say in the beginning of the book, the amount of time that we're spending. In fact, I remember one quote being, if we're going to spend seven hours a day online or doing anything, we need to take a good hard look at how that's affecting us and what that means for us. So let's start with why this topic for you. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. First of all, I was so excited to write this book. It was a challenge. I have to say just because this really is a topic that is really unique to the younger generation in the sense that typically anything that we go through as a younger generation, we can seek advice from the older generation and say, Hey, help me. Like, what'd you do right? What'd you do wrong? And that's something I actually love to do. I love to learn from mentors. You're definitely one of my mentors. I love to learn from my mom and friends that are older and wiser than me, but Social media is one of those things where it's not like you can say, hey, mom, when you were young and you had social media and you dealt with the feelings of comparison or you dealt with, you know, not feeling love, but you had all these likes or you felt with hateful comments right in front of your face. Like, how did you navigate that? Because she didn't have to navigate that. That wasn't in her life. And so what I wanted to do is kind of take this biblical perspective on social media. Like, what would Jesus say? in today's time? How does this, how do we, you know, still seek wisdom through the way that we do social media, even though we as a younger generation are kind of leading this charge? Um, And how do we do it? Well, how do we do it right? How do we do it? And it doesn't, you know, cost us who we are, but it actually brings fruit. And it actually is a part of our calling and a part of our purpose. And so it was fun to dive into that. And it's crazy how many things and just um, topics that have to do with social media are so relatable to the things that Jesus went through and the words that Jesus says are just like honey over all of it. And so it was crazy, even down to like the following thing. Like we follow people all day long, but yet Jesus is the one that said like, follow me first, you know, I just think that's the coolest thing. So it was really a great thing to dive into this. And honestly, I felt like I learned so much through the process of writing it and thinking through things that I had been through and trying to help young people, people my age and older people learn a little bit how we can handle social media and approach it as a positive thing and not a negative thing. We are talking about find your people and we wanted you up because the issue of connection is so interesting in this day and we cannot talk about it without talking about technology because in so many ways, when you look back, which is what I did in find your people, you look back throughout history, you see that loneliness was not as much of a problem. But in our generation, you know, this is pre-quarantine. People were three and five said they were lonely. So we've Mm. got a massive problem of loneliness and probably post-COVID it's going to be even higher. And yet we are more connected than we've ever been and we're not happy. So talk about that specifically, like how come 
we are so lonely, even though we're more connected than we've ever been. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is like, I've even had moments in my life where I have a huge following. I'm connected on social media. I actually have friends in real life. I actually have a husband and I feel lonely. And those are moments that I ask myself, like, why do I feel lonely right now? Like, what is this feeling of loneliness, even though I have all these people around me? And I think genuinely it's whenever I am not being honest and open with my people, it's when they they think that they know me, but I know something that they don't know that I'm holding back. And so how could they really know me if I'm not going to share with them who I really am or what I'm really going through? And I think social media has created this thing. And I talk about this in the book where you're seen by so many people, but you're not known by them. And being seen and not known really distances you from actually being able to be in relationship with people. And so even in uh, my relationship with my friends or even with my husband, who's the closest person my best friend, if I'm choosing to not share with him the things that I'm really going through and the things that are really hurting me or the things that I'm really excited about, then I can even have that tendency to feel lonely. And so I think that um, the reason why we're so connected, but we're the most lonely generation is because a lot of us just aren't honest. We're not living authentic lives. And so we have all these people around us, but because they don't know us, how could they love us? And the way that we need to be loved and, and in a relationship and the way that real relationships work where you're with each other on the good days and you're with each other on the hard days and you're speaking into each other's life and you're praying for one another because those are the things that actually builds community. And so I think it's that fear of authenticity, that fear of really being known that keeps us staying uh, feeling lonely. Well, I I think about this subject and a story comes to mind and it's a story you've told me, but when I read it, I cried, Sadie, because it was such a picture of what you're saying right now, where you were more seen than you'd ever been. And you come back into school and talk about that story and just what that felt like, the truly the conundrum of fame versus actually being in connection and community. Yeah. So it was a really interesting season of my life for sure. Right after Dancing with the Stars, which was um, one of the biggest moments of my life as far as like the spotlight felt directly on me because, um, you know, over the course of 11 weeks on a hit TV show with 15 million people watching every week and commenting and all the stuff I had gained a million followers in a month. It was just like instantly like boom, boom. I think I went in having like 600,000 followers from Duck Dynasty and left having like 1.6 million in like literally a month span of time. And so, yeah, all of a sudden fame kind of hit when I went back, you know, from LA to well, the and other how LA. Old were you? I think that I was matters. 17. Wow. So I was a junior in high school. I just turned 17, junior in high school. And when I went back from LA, Los Angeles to Louisiana, LA, I went back to school. And whenever I went back to school, I remember um, this girl came up to me and she said, hey, no one wants to hear about it. So don't talk about it. And basically telling me no one wants to hear about Dance with the Stars. So don't even mention it. And, you know, you could have thought, well, that was just a mean girl. But genuinely, I don't remember I don't remember anyone at school ever asking me how it was or you did good or anything like that. Maybe like the teachers, but not like the students. It was very much a thing. Like, don't mention it. And so I didn't. And so um, I get back and then I go to sit at the lunch table. that I had always sat at with one of my best friends and all like they had squished in all the seats were taken and 
they were like, sorry, you know, you've been gone. So, you know, it's no really room here anymore. And so I was like, okay. And then I went and sat with my cousin who was a guy. And then everyone talked bad about me for sitting with the boys saying I wanted attention. I was sat with my cousin. So it's just this moment of like, oh my gosh. And I felt so lonely and so isolated and so broken. And it's so interesting because that is the time where I had all these followers and all this fame and all this excitement, but it was really actually one of the loneliest times in my whole life. And one of the hardest times and really the time in my life, I was really asking some big questions like, who am I? What am I going to do? What do I even believe? Like, God, why did you do this to me? I was mad at God. I was like, why did you do this to me? Like you put me in this position and this is, I feel so lonely because friends have always meant so much to me like that. Like, and I'm like, God, you knew that, like, you know, how much my friends mean to me, you know, I don't even care about being famous. So like, why would this happen? I think to that point of the loneliness, no one knew what I was going through. Everyone assumed that I was like just riding this fame thing. And I was so happy and I was so excited. And how could I not just feel so blessed? But in reality, I'm like, I'm actually so lonely. I'm actually struggling, like borderline eating disorder. I'm like genuinely questioning and mad at God for like this because I I, I feel angry and I'm in a bad relationship and all the things. And so um, I have to say in that time, It was so interesting because I started getting asked to like speak places and whatnot. And I felt like such a hypocrite because I was like, how can I go and like be this positive role model when I'm like actually really struggling? And it was in that time that I made that YouTube video. It was my first YouTube video ever. And it was the most real authentic video I could have ever made. I had just gotten out of the shower, had pajamas on, and just was talking to the camera about how, you know, this is what people see me as. But in reality, like, I'm struggling just like everyone else. And I talked about how, like, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I, like, Uh. gave this little message. And um, what's crazy is that YouTube video ended up getting, like, 2 million views fast. So much so to the point that Good Morning America had me on to talk about this very authentic video about living original. And that really did actually lead me into kind of walking a little bit more into the ministry side of things, into posting encouraging videos on YouTube. And that's kind of how it all started. And so it really is interesting because in that moment of like, I don't feel like I'm known by anyone. So I'm just going to make a video and like literally tell people everything about who I am. In this video, I literally said, I'm Sandy Carey Robertson. This is what I struggle with. I struggle with jealousy. I struggle with control. I feel lonely, like everything. I just said it. And when I said it, it was like a breakthrough and led me into what I'm doing today. So that actually is the perfect example of what it looks like when you press past that feeling of loneliness and allow yourself to be known. There might be legitimate reasons as to why you feel lonely. You might've just gotten kicked out of your lunch table. You might've just gotten like the band from all your friends. You might have no followers. You might, you might have legitimate reason to say like, well, you don't understand. I actually do. And I would say like, I do understand. I've had those moments where I've legitimately had reason to feel lonely, but even in those moments, you can break past that and choose to not sit in that and build community. And it might be a new community, but you need people to to know where you're at. Let me go back to what I said at the beginning of the show, which is you were the perfect person to write this book. And, And here's why is it is the mercy, as I've heard it said, it is the mercy of God to lose everything on earth and to see that God is enough. Mm-hmm. But it is also the mercy of God to get everything this world has to offer and understand that it's not what you're really looking for. 
And Sadie, I've chills thinking about you and your life and, and writing this message because you've had it all. You get to stand at the pinnacle of success and millions of followers and everyone, you know, chanting your name and, and you not just being on that show, but almost winning that show. Like you made it to the very, very end. So there's a little bit of, you know, oh, she couldn't understand. But the reality, the perspective you get to bring and what I read in the book was, hey, all of you chasing all this stuff, I've had it. And it's not going to satisfy you. In fact, it's not just going to not satisfy you. There's less life in it. <laughs> like you're yeah. actually, I mean, I just think there's so many things compelling about your life and your story. One of those things is you moved back home to a little town. Like you live near your family. Like there's something about the choices you've made that to me say, I'm going to do this because it's obedience, but I'm not doing this because I chase it. Talk mm -hmm. about that, of just that shift from, I'm not going to walk away from it because it's not evil and God can use it but I'm not going to chase it the way that you were watching a lot of people do. Yeah, no, truly. I mean, I think for me, whenever I was young, my family started taking me um, out of the country to different places. And I got to really see the world bigger than my own little world, you know? And I think that that has a lot to do with it because what would happen when I would go to Dominican Republic or Haiti or Guatemala, or maybe it was Uganda or all these different places where people had nothing, but they were so joyful and they were filled with so much love and they were so compassionate and all these things. And then I started continuing to travel whenever I was 16, 17, 18, whenever I kind of became famous and I would be there and they'd be so joyful and so happy. And there were several times that I would fly straight from there to LA to do some red carpet thing. Or I even flew to DC one time to do something with um, the government, which was really cool. And all these different things that I would literally fly from these places where people had nothing to these places where it was just the most extravagant lifestyle. Like literally one time I flew from Dominican Republic straight to LA for a red carpet for this movie that I was in and I was like staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel like this just crazy lifestyle but what was crazy is I got to go from seeing people who had nothing but had everything that mattered in life to going to seeing people who had everything but were missing those important things like yes. love and like freedom and joy and all the fruits of the spirit seeing that contrast so starkly and so um literally from one place to another, I think I just realized like, okay, this is not what it's all about. Like you can have everything. You can walk the red carpet. You can be in a fancy dress. You can have the perfect body, but you can feel so lonely. You can not feel love. You can not feel beautiful. You can feel totally unfree. You can feel all these things. And yet you could have nothing and you could literally have you know, beans and rice every day of your life for your meal and, but have your family and feel loved and feel, and not even family. They actually don't even have their family. They have their friends. They have, they have their orphanage, but yet they're feeling love and joy because they have Jesus. And they know what that means. When you have Jesus, you have hope. And so for me, I saw that and I'm like, I know this life cannot fill me with the soul cravings that I have. And I know only Jesus can. And I have seen that and I have walked that. And I can tell you some of the biggest moments of my life where you would think, man, she has it all have been the worst and lowest moments of my life. And some of maybe what people would say are the so moments of my life have been the best moments of my life because that's where I got to see God. That's where I got to see hope. And so, yeah, I've, I've had the moments where I've, I even moved to Nashville for a while and gosh, it was such a blessing, but I love being back home because 
it's here that I feel like there's still peace and that, you know, I get to be with family and I get to be with the people that I love and be reminded of, you know, just the goodness of God and the day-to-day things. And so I do think there's nothing wrong with having an extravagant lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with having, you know, a lifestyle that has very little, but the important thing in both is that you have Jesus because whether you have nothing, you have everything, you really, it doesn't matter because nothing holds value except for the, the value of the things that Jesus can give you. And so that's why I make this important message of, who are you following? Are you chasing? Are you following fame? Are you following um, people to get you a certain lifestyle? Are you following a platform? Are you following these things? Thinking in your mind that if you get that, then you'll be happy. Because I want to tell you from someone who's been there, it won't do it for you. It won't be the case. But if you're following Jesus, no matter where the journey takes you, no matter what life brings you, no matter what platform you ever have, how many followers you ever have, how much money you ever have, you will be satisfied because that's truly what your soul is desiring, what you're searching for. And gosh, I've had so many conversations with people of all over, all different types of people, all different places. And ultimately it reigns true for everyone. People who have tons and people who have none that Jesus really is the hope of the ages. And that's the only thing that really satisfies you. That's just truth. Hey guys, I was driving down the street today. It's spring break with my boys and the sun is out. It's finally warming up a little bit here in Texas and I am just loving that spring is right around the corner. And my six-year-old asks me questions all day long. You know what I mean? Does anybody else have a kid like that? He asks me things like, why do flowers bloom? Like, how do caterpillars turn into butterflies? He's starting to notice like the sun is out longer because of daylight savings. There are so many opportunities for us to talk about those things and for him to learn. And spring is just the perfect time for us to get outside and make some discoveries. So KiwiCo has these subscription lines for kids of every age. So from infants and preschoolers all the way up to teens. And it's actually really fun for grownups too. I mean, I've got boys ranging from a year old, six and a half, and there is a KiwiCo subscription for each of my boys. Most recently, Gray, my six-year-old, got this really neat, like a robotics kit that he could learn elementary coding. And so it was all hands-on using wood and pipe cleaners, and he learned so much with us just working together on it. So your child can get super cool, hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered to their door every month. There's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel anytime. And guys, this would be such a great gift idea. You know, sometimes when you just have too many toys in the house, this is something different that you can enjoy as a family. Step into spring and celebrate the season of discovery with a KiwiCo subscription. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code made for this at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com. Promo code made for this. And now back to Jenny. I want to go back to, it sounded like when, when I met you, that season of getting everything and coming back home was a season where you really experienced that nearness with God, that that, mm. it was almost like, okay, he really is enough and I'm going to walk with him and he's going to fill me. Talk about that and that shift. And, and, and I'm thinking of the person that they feel like it's a cliche. They feel like, yeah, okay, Jesus is enough, but I'm really, really lonely. You don't understand. I want you to talk about what it felt like for you to truly have Jesus when it felt like you were losing everybody else. 
Yes. And I love that you said that about the cliche thing, because I think that in America, it's easy to say that like, oh, Jesus is a cliche, because what we think is Jesus is an option, but there are other options, you know, uh, because we have other options. But when you're in a place that genuinely there is no other option, when I say these kids, Jesus is their hope, that's the truth of the matter. Like they have no other hope besides Jesus. In America, you can say, well, I have a couple other hopes. I got a couple other options that are on the table. But I want you to make like realize that, no, there is no other option because you can go get that option. And then you're going to realize once you get it, that it's not enough. And then what? Then you have to, you know, realize that Jesus is the only thing. So I love that you said that because it's only cliche to people who have the option of another option. You know, it's it's not cliche to someone who that really is their only option is Jesus. And, and then you realize, well, he really is enough. And so for me, um, yeah, when I got back and it was, it was a definitely a soul searching moment. And like I said, honestly, it was a beautiful time with God, but it was a, it was the first time I'd ever been frustrated with what God was doing. So like I said, I was praying these big prayers of like, why did you do this? What are you thinking, God? And I remember praying the prayer and saying, you chose the wrong person. Wow. I cannot do this. I I don't like this. And I, I remember like looking around and saying like, this person would have been better at that or mm. this person because they have it more together or and like literally even this is kind of shallow, but even saying like they're more beautiful or they're more fit out, cut out for this famous thing or whatever. And just like really wrestling with why me, why me, why me? Until finally I went to this conference, Alex Seeley was preaching yeah. and I see her preaching and I went down to the altar, responded to this altar call. And I just remember praying and um, I asked the Lord like, okay, what are you, what are you trying to do? Finally just was like, okay, I'm not going to ask like the why question. I'm going to ask like the what question of like, what are you doing? And God just revealed it so beautifully to me. And um, one thing he said, and this is the first I've ever like heard God speak to me. I didn't hear him audibly, but I just heard it in my heart. Like I knew that I knew that I knew this is what he said. And he said, I'm actually not calling you to be famous, but I'm calling you to be a sister and a friend to those who don't have a sister and a friend. And that was uh, seven years ago, I guess, at this point. And since then, everything I have done, I have done with the intention of being a sister and a friend to those who don't have one, whether it's writing a book or doing a podcast or starting a YouTube channel or doing the blog or whatever it is. It's how can I be a sister and a friend to those who don't have one starting the app? That was a big one for sister and a friend. And it took this pressure off me of like, God is not calling me to be famous, to live this famous lifestyle. He's calling me to be a light in the darkness. He's calling me to be a sister and a friend to those who don't have one. And gosh, it was so cool because it wasn't like God was calling me to something that was so outside of who I am. He was actually calling me to something that is the very nature of who I am. And it's actually affirming who I am. And so I think that's what you have to think about with your life. It's so easy to say, why me, God? But you have to realize that God literally knit you together in your mother's womb. He designed you with intention and whatever he places you in or puts you in the position of, he knows what's inside of you. And he's not calling you to do this to you know, punish you or stretch you. Yeah. Sometimes it is a stretch, but it's really for you to step into who you've always been. And uh, gosh, I've been reading the story of David and you see that in David's life. Like he was like a shepherd boy and he was playing the music, but all of that led him to the moment that he had to step into with Goliath. And so, although something might feel random in your life, really God, it's always been in the intention and in the design. And so, yeah, I think that moment was a 
pivotal moment for me to pray those big prayers. And I just encourage anyone out there, if you're, you know, sitting there and you don't know why life threw you a certain couple of lemons, you know, might, might be good, might be bad, might be like, this is amazing, but I don't know what to do with it. It might be like, this is hard and I don't know what to do with it. Whatever it is, like really pray into it because it's the words that God will speak in that time of your life that will carry you into the seasons to come. And I'm so thankful for those words. I've held on to it. It's the, one of our biggest like mission statements at Live Original to be a good sister and a friend. And um, gosh, I've just seen so much fruit come from those words that he spoke in that, that quiet time of what are you doing? Mm. Well, you know what verse is coming to mind is when Paul says, by whatever means possible, so that I may win a few. Mm, and I think you your means are different than other people's means. But what you're saying is whatever your means are, <laughs> just take it and use it to to win use a few, to, to love God and to love people. And, and you've done that so well. I want to talk about friendship in the real world, in real life. And how do you go deeper? Like, what does it look like to take a friendship that might feel surface or somewhat disconnected or shallow and actually take it deeper? Because that is part of this as well, right? God says we need people in our lives. And so causing thriving to happen in relationships is important. But but we live in such a shallow culture where it feels like we don't actually go deeper. So what does it look like for you and your friendships to go there? Yeah, I have to say, like, it is hard. And I'm glad that you asked that question to me now, because whenever I moved to Nashville, honestly, friendships just came very easy in that season of life. It was like, boom, 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 boom. I had friends and I'm so thankful for them. And they were my bridesmaids and they'll be with me forever. But then when I moved back to Louisiana, which you would have thought this would be so easy. I've grown up here. It was so hard. It was so hard to build community, so hard to make friends. And I really was like, okay, I am now learning how to build community, rebuild, you know, because I have community all over the States, but I want friends here. Yeah. Like I want someone to call and say, Hey, let's go to coffee. And, you know, um, so many people out there who are listening to this, you know, you might not have that friend who you can just call and be like, Hey, let's go to coffee. Or you might not have that friend group that you can have a Bible study with or whatever. And to you just like, you are not alone, but I will say you don't have to stay there, but it is hard to break past that. And so what I did was I realized like, I have to be honest and I have to be real and I have to be vulnerable in order to create real relationships. And so I was trying to like, you know, make friends also. I started a Bible study um, at my house that I have on Saturday mornings and invited a bunch of girls. And it was so fun. And like, it's been so fun. I love having that Bible study. But for a couple of like weeks to months, really, I just felt like we weren't like breaking through like into real friendship. Like they're meeting at my house and it was fun, but it's not like we were like hanging out any other time. And so I, I I'm thought, sorry, I want to interrupt you. I want you to keep going on the story, but I, I I'm about to laugh out loud at how absolutely darling it is. And everybody listening is feeling this way that Sadie Robertson had to figure out how to make friends. Like it's so cute, Sadie. Like everybody right now is going because they look at you and your personality and they feel like they know you and they think, oh, you have 8 million friends anywhere you go. So like this, <laughs> I just want, I want no one to miss what she's saying. Like, you had to figure it out. Like you had to go, I'm going to invite all those people awkwardly over to my house and we're going to have a Bible yeah. study. And then even then you're still trying to figure out how to take it deeper. It is so good for everybody to hear this. Cause I think 
a lot of people think other personalities have it easier. Other, you know, everybody would want to be your friend, but you still had the awkward stages. So keep going. Oh my gosh. Yes. No, I'm so glad you said that. And let me tell you, it is awkward. <laughs> it is an awkward thing to do to yes. try to make friends. So shout out to everyone <laughs> in the awkward zone right now, because I was there like a couple of months ago, I but I actually it. remember, I actually remember um, when I opened up to the group one day about struggling to make friends, someone was like, what you like you have so many friends and I was like I don't know I do I have friends all over the country I do I'm thankful I don't have friends here I don't have anyone that mm. I could call and say let's go to lunch I need to tell you about what I'm going through right now and I need a friend like I didn't have that genuinely and I really wanted that and I needed that so I was like I'm about to build that so we <laughs> had this final study and yes awkwardness for sure and then I realized I have not shared with any of them, the season of life I'm going through. I've listened to all of them and I've spoken into them, but I haven't shared with them what I'm going through. I know why I did it because they had this expectation on me or so I thought, and I think that they did genuinely that, you know, I was just handling it all and it was, it was all okay. And everything was good. And it's kind of, sometimes you want people to think that, you know, you want people to think that you have it all together and that your life is, you know, better than it seems or whatever. But the reality was I just had a baby. I'm straight up postpartum, like all the feels. I am like drowning in how much work that I had to do. I was feeling like so stressed and overwhelmed, all this stuff. And so finally one day I was like, y'all, I'm just going to tell you how it is. I was like, I am struggling. I was like, I am so like still figuring out this postpartum thing. I'm trying to figure out how to be a mom. I'm trying to figure out how to work and do that at the same time. I'm trying to like do all these millions of things, write this book, like all this stuff. And gosh, it's so, it was so awesome because that day I just felt this breakthrough and every one of them laid their hands on me and prayed over me. Oh gosh. I just felt so loved and so known and so seen. And then I was like, gosh, like these are good friends. And so it was really cool because over the past few months, like we've grown so much in relationship and it's not just in those big moments where you confess everything or whatever. It's also in the moments where I'm like, we go over and watch a movie or we play a game or we do whatever, have, have lunch, come over while honey's playing on the floor and we'll just talk. Like it's in the fun moments too. And so, man, it just opened up such a doorway to uh, great friendships. And so if you're out there struggling, Hey, press through the awkward. Yeah. Bible study is a great way to start, you know, but it doesn't always have to just be a Bible study, go watch a movie, have fun, hang out um, and build community. But building is a hard process. And I think, Sometimes when you think community, you think it shouldn't be hard, but anything you build is going to be a bit of a process and a little bit hard, and that's okay. I love it. I love everything you're saying. Thank you for backing up everything I'm saying because this is it. I mean, I, I, there's no getting around awkward to finding your people. You just have to go through it. It is part just it. part of it, and it is that way for everybody. So everybody thinking it's just you. It isn't just you. It is always awkward. Okay. I, and I, you know, the story it reminds me of is the times I've had to tell people, hey, will you be my friend or or will you be my close friend? And they're, they laugh and they're like, I am your friend. And I'm like, no, I know, but I need you to be one of my inner circle, like really close friends. And it's just so awkward. It's like a DTR with a, with a friend that they don't see coming. So you're totally. just not alone. I just want everybody to know we all feel this way when we are trying to deepen community and build it around us. And so I just, I want to close in prayer, but before you do that, I want you to just say to the person that 
is even right now while they're listening to this, they're scrolling and they're they're online and they're searching. And 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 I think sometimes our souls are searching and mm-hmm. we don't even notice that they're searching. Like mm-hmm. we don't even notice that that we're hungering for something and craving something and that it's not being satisfied. So just speak to that person that wants to exhale and wants to connect with God, but feels like it's hard. Yeah, it's so good because the reality is I know that so many people listening are doing that right now. And maybe you haven't realized it, you know, this scrolling can become very numbing, you know, it can become a way to use time that needs to be used somewhere else. And I even know that for me, because there are times where I'm trying to avoid something. And when I'm avoiding it, I'll just scroll. Uh, Because when I scroll, I don't have to think about anything. I think about other people's lives. And so for you, just know that you're not alone in that. But at the same time, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to stay like that. And one thing I want to encourage you to do is actually rest and take a break from that. And so what I mean by that is literally delete the app literally delete social media. Maybe it's for three nights. Maybe it's for a week. For me, one time it was for about four months because I just needed that. And I needed to reposition my heart to not seek people, but to seek the Lord, to not seek scrolling, but to really seek the Lord. And what I found in that was so much rest and so much love and so much uh, contentment and all the things I was really looking for on social media, I really, really genuinely found in Jesus. And so take some time, like delete it, be with the Lord, pray through some of those things that you're struggling with, pray through some of those things that you're trying to numb, pray through some of those things that you're searching for and don't get back on until you find them in Jesus. And so if it takes a day, let it be a day. If it takes a month, let it be a month. I've had friends, it took a whole year, let it be a year because it will be worth it for the rest of your life. So take the time to prioritize the main thing to get your heart in the right place. Because then when you go back to social media, you'll be able to pour out the fruit that's within you. You'll be able to actually be the light in the darkness. You'll actually be able to use it for what it's intended to do to to build community, but not even build it because you already probably found it in your time of rest. And so I just encourage you to take it, delete it, take the time that you need and find all that you need in Jesus. And I promise you, it might sound hard. It might sound intimidating. It's the best decision I ever made with my life. And I think it will be for you too, for sure. I want you to pray. But first of all, I want to say to every one of you listening, you need this. You need to read this. You need to read this book. All of my kids, I want them to read it. Uh, I needed to read it. It is so helpful for the time that we live in. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Sadie, for how you are spending the resources God's given you. Pray for everybody listening. Yes, thank you, Jenny. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for every single person that's listening to this podcast. I thank you for Jenny's ministry. Gosh, she has just reached so many people. And I know millions of people, but I thank you, God, that she's reached my life in such a huge way. God, she's been such a genuine friend to me and a genuine mentor. And I thank you for just how she doesn't only lead publicly, um, but she leads privately so beautifully. I thank you for her team. And God, I just bless her ministry. God, I thank you for every person listening, God, that this message has touched. I pray that they would actually take it and apply it to their life. God, I pray that they would not try to find all the things that they're looking for and what the world has to offer because it will not satisfy. God, I pray that they don't take these soul cravings to Instagram or to fame or to a platform or to anything other than to your throne, God. I pray that these 
beautiful people would just fall at your feet and find everything that they need and the essence of who you are, God. You are love. You are joy. You are peace. You are a good God. And I pray that people would realize that. And I know they will the minute that they stop scrolling and they seek you, the minute that they put their eyes on you, Jesus. So I pray that that would happen. Lord, I just pray for friendships to form uh, in the next few months for these people listening. I pray that they would get past the awkwardness. Um, as I've heard it said before, five seconds of awkward can save you from a lifetime of regret. So I pray that they would press past the awkward, that they would press past the hardship that it takes to build and that they would just do it for the sake of building community. Lord, we love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It's about time that somebody writes a book about social media and how we steward it well in this world and how we decide who we follow. And we are so excited and cheerleading Sadie on because her newest book, Who Are You Following, is out and available everywhere books are sold. And you guys should totally go check it out. I'll make sure to put the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast. Podcast.